Noemi Perez is the president and CEO of the Immokalee Foundation, a 30-year-old nonprofit organization in Immokalee, Florida. She began her employment with the Immokalee Foundation in 2008 as a student advocate. Raised in Immokalee and forced to deal with many of the struggles Foundation students encounter, she uses her experience and connections to help Immokalee's brightest young people on their journey to meaningful careers. Perez graduated from Hodges University in 2013 with a bachelor's degree in business administration and a minor in management. It is so great to have you here with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So let's let's go ahead and just talk a little bit about your background. So you grew up in Immokalee, right? Correct. Yeah. So tell us how you got into the role that you're in now. So growing up in Immokalee, I started my journey uh, very early. Uh, I ended up having a baby at the age of 15, got married at the age of 15. So I don't have the traditional pathway that many, uh, many have. I went straight into the workforce. I always knew uh, my goal was graduate high school. So graduated high school, went into the workforce, always felt a need to continue my education. It was just key. Growing up, my father instilled that into us. He just said, education is knowledge. It's the knowledge that you need and it's the power to get you wherever you wanna go to fulfill your dreams. So just worked in different sectors from, you know, county government to corporations, just all over just learning, learning a skill set. It was a lot of administrative work. And through those journeys, I just, I got to meet a lot of interesting people and learn so much from so many different people. And it just so happened that someone gave my resume to someone at the Immokalee Foundation that was looking for uh, an admin assistant. And I called me up, I applied, I interviewed, was interviewing for an admin assistant position when I received a call and they said, we are interested in hiring you, but for a student advocate position. Mm. And it was kind of strange because uh, the experience that I had with the youth was more within my church because I helped with the leadership group. And so started uh, my journey with the foundation as a student advocate, fell in love with working with students in high school, in middle school, really understanding what they wanted to do and relating to a lot of their struggles because coming from Immokalee, I could understand the parents having to work all the time, having and needing someone to guide you. So yeah, I mean, it just started there. And then within the foundation, I just found myself in different positions from a coordinator to manager to program director. And really my aspiration was to become the president CEO one day. And it just so happened that in 2018, uh, that happened. Yeah. Wow, that is just such a unique story because first of all, you know, starting off with a with a very with a family at a very young age and then trying to juggle that, you know, adding in age. It's hard to juggle that anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um adding in your age and the fact that you, you know, your goal was to finish high school essentially mm-hmm. and to have those opportunities to work 
in government and ex- sort of experience a variety of things, but then to start sort of at the at the front lines of your organization right. and work your way up is pretty pretty amazing. Did you continue your education? I on? did. So when I working alongside with the students, I myself had the aspiration to continue on my education. So working full time, mom full time, wife full time, I ended up going to school full time at Hodges University, mm-hmm. completed my bachelor's degree in business uh, administration uh, in four years and was really proud of myself because I was able to accomplish all of that in such a trying time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it, was, it was not only for myself, but also to, to teach the students that you can do it. If it's important to you, you can do it and you can find a way. Yeah, yeah I think that's so important. I think we, we learn that over and over again is that the folks who have experienced the system are the best people to serve the next line of folks coming up in the system, right? Mm-hmm. Because you, if you've experienced it and you've made it through, you're not only an inspiration, but you have all that knowledge of the process that helps you get through it. Right. Wow. So, so for, for our listeners who might not be familiar with Immokalee, you know, I sort of struggled with which question to ask first. I always sort of start with how did you get to where you are? Um, but for folks who aren't familiar with Immokalee, can you tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about the community? Sure. Immokalee is a small rural community. It is about 35 to 40 miles from Naples, Florida. And most of the, the residents there are from another foreign area. So Mexico, Guatemala, um, Haiti, and many of them work in agricultural um, more than half of the school-age children that live in Amakli are either at or below poverty level. About 38% of the residents who are within 25 years of age uh, graduate high school, and then only 6% have graduated college. Mm. So you can see there the huge need to for the continuous uh, education and educational opportunities for them. Many of the parents work, wake up very early, 4 a.m., get their day started, go off into uh, the fields or the packing house, don't return home until maybe 7 in the evening, 8 in the evening. Um, You can imagine what you can get done during that time, really nothing. Put your kids to bed and then start all over again. Mm -hmm. Many of them work seven days a week that way. And it's a it's a lifestyle where you're working to survive, to put food on the table, to pay the bills. Many of of the families also live with other families. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of trailer parks in Amakni. And so that becomes a challenge for, you know, our students being able to complete work or being able to be a part of a club after school. For them, it's more of I need to find a a job Mm -hmm. to help financially. So there's a lot of different barriers um, for our our families in Immokalee, but I will say that the the positive piece of it is that the families and and the people there are very hardworking, Mm -hmm. determined. They, um, They find any way 
to, you know, complete their goal. And we have some who are what we call entrepreneurs. So if you go out to Mockley, you have the farmer's market where a lot of the families sell the produce there. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's very neat to see that because that's that's their own sort of business. Yeah. And so they, you know, students kind of learn or their kids kind of learn from there. But it's just a very neat town to be from and and everyone knows everyone and uh but we also are a community that that we come together when there's hardships or mm-hmm. you know anyone needs anything uh that farmer's market is very cool it is <laughs> is it how is that set up so it is owned by um just an owner and the families come in and they have their own what we call in spanish puestos but they're like stands um, and so they rent mm-hmm. from, they rent a stand or some of them own their stands. Um, they, a lot of times they'll go off and pick the produce, then bring it and sell it. Um, and then sometimes they'll go to other um, markets in other places and kind of uh, purchase and then resell. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, yeah, it's it's very neat. Uh, the produce is, is delicious. It's fresh and and very, at, at a very good cost. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've had the privilege of of going, and it's just really striking to see sort of how how busy it is, and all the different different types of produce that are available, and to see all the different people that are that are really, you know, you have showing their entrepreneurial mm-hmm. spirit. Um, and there's a lot of that around agriculture yes. and and food yep. in Amakali. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think? You know, well, how many people are in Amakali? There's about I would say about 30,000 residents and then when um, out of season and then when season picks up, there's roughly about 35, 40,000 yeah. mm-hmm, increases. So what you describe because of mi- the migrant community. Is right. That, yeah. Right. So what you describe is, you, you know, you did a great job of sort of painting a picture of what Immokalee is like. And I mean, of course, I can picture it in my head because I've been there. But I think the, there's such a stark contrast between Immokalee and Naples. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so um, are you can you talk about Naples a little bit just in contrast to Immokalee, which you said is 35 miles away, yeah. same county? So, you know, Naples, I think it's like the second richest city in, mm-hmm. <laughs> in the U.S. And you have a lot of the nice qualities, nice homes, nice communities. Uh, you have access to easier um Industries like hospitals, mm-hmm. you know, clinics, things like that. Uh, but Immokalee is more, you know, it's 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 this rural community where you know you drive down Immokalee Road, and once you come into Immokalee, you sort of see the change of scenery. Uh, you see a lot of the uh, mom and pop shops, uh, the residents, as I mentioned, the trailer parks. You'll see them scattered within the different areas of Immokalee. There are older homes as well. Uh, We have Lake Trafford, which is a nice um, area also to visit. But it is very different. It's it's hard to describe because um, until you go out and visit, when you you see Fifth Avenue in Naples, Mm -hmm. and then you go out and see the main street of Immokalee, you will tell the difference very quick. There's there's no way you cannot tell the it's difference between both. two different worlds. Mm-hmm. It is. It's so striking, the contrast between the communities being in the same county. Right. I mean, there is just such, it's it's extremely striking. Yeah. 
So what do you think uh, are some of the misconceptions that people have about Immokalee or about communities like Immokalee? I really feel social media news outlets tend to paint the negative picture of Immokalee. And I would say, you know, they really focus on the crime rate or individuals who have been in trouble and things like that. And I've heard comments made, oh, is Immokalee safe? Mm -hmm. Can you take me to the places where it's safe? And it's, it's, it's disheartening to hear things like that because you have that in any community. Mm -hmm. There's, there's communities, you know, there's areas like that anywhere you go. And it just seems to be very highlighted in the town of Immokalee. And I'm here to say that there's great qualities in Immokalee and uh, such great people. And, you know, many times, even myself, growing up there, of course, anyone growing up in a small town, the first thing you think of it is, okay, when I grow up, I'm going to get out of this town because there's nothing to do. Right. But now as an adult, I don't see myself anywhere else. You know, I love working in, in that community and the people and, and what it means. And, you know, it's just a, a community of pride. They, they pride on, on their work, on who they are and, and what they do. And it's, uh, it's nothing like what people paint it to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we tend to do that when we're talking about communities that, that are more underserved, mm -hmm. more marginalized, we often focus on the negative right. pieces of that, even when they're like right next door to each other with right. other communities. So um, I will, I think the pride thing that you mentioned, wanting to leave, I mean, I think every, every kid growing up wants to get out of their town, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. I will tell you that like in the, over the years with our scholarship program here at Collaboratory, we've had a lot of students from Immokalee apply and make it to the finals. And we've had the privilege of interviewing um, several of them. I've had the privilege of sitting in on the interviews and I always find it interesting in their applications and in their interview, how consistently they wanna come back mm -hmm. and, and help their community. Mm -hmm. They wanna live in their community. They wanna go back to Immokalee. Right. It's, it's really a cool thing. Do you see much of that? I do. So, you know, part of what I wanted to talk about when we go into talk about the work of the Immokalee Foundation, that's one of the key things that we notice when we survey our alumni that, you know, go off and they, they graduate and they find other jobs. They talk about wanting to come back. Mm -hmm. And there's not a lot of opportunity for them to come back and find a career here because of, you know, the the degree that they that they were graduating from were mm -hmm. the yeah, there's not a very there's not that a very they made number right. of jobs and right. and opportunities for employment exactly so it's something that is it it does resonate a lot with them because of that family oriented type of culture that we have mm -hmm. in Immokalee absolutely so tell us about the Immokalee Foundation the Maki Foundation, uh, the great thing is we're celebrating 30 years mm -hmm. this year. Awesome. We were established in 1991. Thank you. And we really focus on uh, providing educational opportunities and business development, uh, professional business development for the children of Immokalee. We have programs that start as early as kindergarten and then, you know, all the way through post-secondary into their career. We serve about 1,400 students a year, 
um, of course, with COVID, that decreased because of protocol and, and safety. But overall, you know, we consider ourselves as one of the organizations that is best in class mm -hmm. serving these at-risk students. 100% uh, of our students graduate from high school. 100% have a post-secondary plan into a career. And 92% graduate from college with a certification or degree. And majority of them will be in a bachelor's degree. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> because we're talking about uh, students that are coming from situations that are challenging. I mean, we have to put this back in the context of what right. you just described. Mm -hmm. Parents gone from before dawn till till you know after dusk mm -hmm. and juggling you know poverty right and the demands of needing to potentially add income to the family by going to work instead of focusing on school when you take it into that context i mean those numbers are impressive anyway but when you put it in that context that's even more impressive that you all are able to do that mm -hmm. Uh, I have always viewed Immokalee Foundation as, you know, providing some of the best practices that that we have to offer here in Southwest Florida. I mean, if you if you can find that level of success with the students that are most challenged, that face the most barriers, then those are the types of things we should be spreading all across Southwest Florida and across, you know, really the country. Mm -hmm. um, so I know you have had tremendous success with like the Immokalee Readers program. Right, right. And you're doing some really cool stuff now with workforce development yes. around the construction industry. Yes. So maybe tell us a little bit about th those projects. Sure. About two, three years ago, we did some research and I talked about serving RLM. And we wanted to really understand what our students were doing after they graduated post-secondary. What were they going into? How are they doing? Ultimately, what we want and our goal is to build those pathways for our students, but to help them find that professional satisfying career that will lead them to financial independence. Mm -hmm. And from the data, we quickly saw that 40%, only 40% of our students were working in their field of study. So that to us was a big issue. And we wanted to make sure that not only were we successful in graduating and having them go into post-secondary and graduating post-secondary, but also what, you know, the success that they needed beyond that. And by the way, that percentage, the 40% was, it, it aligns with the U.S. Yeah. Stat, mm -hmm. you know, percentage as well. We met with different industry professionals. We met with CCPS, the, the school district of Collier County, and we really dived into what opportunities were there for us to collaborate? How could we supplement the work that they were doing, but also what careers were going to be in high demand in the next few years here in South of Florida? Mm -hmm. Because as you mentioned to me earlier, the goal is to attract and keep our people here in South of Florida. Mm -hmm. So we, after that research, we ended up coming up with four pathways healthcare, mm -hmm. education and human services, business management, entrepreneurship, and engineering and construction management. Yeah. So in these areas, there's so many different professions. It's very, very broad on what a student could potentially go into. Mm -hmm. So we created work, uh, these work groups. We started to create a curriculum 
And I'm happy to say that we created a curriculum that starts as early as sixth grade. So in sixth grade, we start to really work with the students to expose them these, to these different um, pathways and really talk about the professions, what it takes, the education level, you know, how much is the salary, uh, where are these uh, positions going to be um, in, in, you know, in the future. And so we tie that with career assessments, aptitude assessments, to really dive into their interests. It's, it was never about what we think they need to be doing, it's about their individual success. So by eighth grade, the students gather all of this information. There's, there's different types of projects, hands-on projects, there's field trips, they, uh, all sorts of things to get them exposed. So by eighth grade, they will sit down with our career counselor that we have on staff, and they will create their, what we call, career action plan. And this action plan really dictates what courses they need to take in high school, but also in post-secondary. And the great thing about Collier County is we have these NAF academies, mm-hmm. these career academies that we that align with our with our pathways that I just mentioned. So then they can also select, okay, if I want to go into healthcare, then there's this, you know, biology academy that I can go into by the eleventh grade. We also make sure to focus on the FSA because that's a huge barrier for our students as well. They have to pass the FSA in order to get into these elective courses. So a lot of that was tied in very early on. By the time the students um, are in high school, ninth and 10th grade, they start working on a certification. Each of the pathways has a certification that they work towards. Then by 11th grade, they will intern. Um, 120 hours they will complete. And then their senior year, the goal is that they not only graduate with a high school diploma, but they graduate with one, two, three certifications in that field of study. So it gives them opportunity to really have more of a, of a say in their future. And, and, you know, I can go into this or I'm going to go to this post-secondary school because this is the career I'm focused on versus the other way around that. I'm going to go to this cool school because I just love the colors, you know, or mm-hmm. it's, it's popular. So it's, it's very, uh, it allows a student to just really think about very early on, you know, and, and learn about these different areas uh, before they, they graduate high school. Yeah. What a great model. I wish that we could do that with everybody <laughs> um, because we see students all the time, you know, spend a few of these uh, podcast episodes talking to adults who stopped out of college and never finished their credential and are now trying to go back. Right. And a lot of them talk about the fact that, um, you know, they didn't know why they were going. They just, they figured Mm -hmm. they had to, or Mm -hmm. that's what they were supposed to do. And and then eventually, you know, they got, they found a job that maybe paid them enough money that they thought that was a better pathway for them. And they flunked out Mm -hmm. or, they, you know, accrued a bunch of debt, not really understanding what that would do to them in the future when they actually realized that they needed a real career pathway. Exactly. And um, needed to make more money uh, or had a family. And now they're adults that have a partial degree, which in many cases can be worse than having none at all mm-hmm. if the system isn't designed well to, to bring them back. Right. Um, 
and to support them in coming back. So, you know, with Future Makers, we talk all the time about this idea of helping with college and career planning much, much earlier. We can't wait till high school. We can't wait that long. Mm -hmm. So it's a fantastic example. Um, it sounds like you got it going and then COVID probably uh, impacted it to it, some degree. It did. You know, it was, it's kind of, um, I see it now as a blessing in disguise, but when we're going through it, it doesn't seem that way. One of the, as I mentioned, the components is our internship that the students have to complete. And so in the other pathways, we were healthcare education and um, business management. We were fine. We knew organizations would take in our students and we wouldn't have to worry about safety or hazards or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But when it came to engineering construction, there was that we needed to crack that nut. You know, what was it? We couldn't send our kids off to different areas. So we decided to build a home in Amaki. That was the first idea. We talked about it and uh, had different partners come in and ultimately um, Collier Enterprises ended up donating eight acres of land mm -hmm. to us in Amakli to build a subdivision. And I mentioned this because during that time when the property was given to us and we raised the funding for the infrastructure, we had to have the infrastructure in the home ready so that the students can come in to intern. And so COVID happened, but we didn't stop. We, COVID allowed us that time to put in the infrastructure and have it ready for the students to come in. But during that time through COVID, we were able to really sit back and say, what is, what's our key focus here? And it's always been, we needed to keep in communication with our students. So very quickly, we decided to, we had about 80 laptops um, at the facility. And we said, we have to hand these out to our students. And we need to find out who has Wi-Fi, who doesn't, so that we can stay connected with them. Well, long story short, we had some donors that came through and gave us some funding to purchase more technology to keep in contact with our students. So that was the first, and then we had to recreate our curriculum to become a virtual curriculum. Mm -hmm. Now, Career Pathways was always, you know, it, it was built with the, the intention of it being hands-on. Right. So now we have to move virtual, but I have a phenomenal staff. I mean, they just, they got, they got very creative um, for the rest of the year uh, after spring break <laughs> when they didn't return to school. Mm -hmm. Our after-school programming was virtual. We were able to lay in the infrastructure on the um, at the subdivision in Amakli, and it was it was a trying time, but it allowed us to now have a curriculum both in person and virtual. Yeah. And even you know the start of this school year or the summer, we were able to do a virtual or a, a hybrid type of. Um, programming you know where some of it was virtual and then some of it was in person uh -huh. so it was it was a, a huge challenge during that time we also needed to make sure that it wasn't just about academics and education it was about resources and other uh, necessities that they were in need of so it helped us to uh, keep in communication with them to give them also the uh, resources that they needed if they needed food or 
any medical attention, we were able to partner with other organizations mm-hmm. to f- give them that information as well. Yeah. It's, uh, I think sometimes for, for those of us who aren't living in poverty and in those situations, I mean, COVID has been very hard. I mean, the, we've all experienced the trauma mm-hmm. of it and it's still going. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I imagine that that is just a hundred times worse when you live in a community that doesn't have access to all the things that many of us are used to. Right. Um, your parents are trying to work in, or you're living with multiple families in a trailer. Right. I mean, like it's a challenge mm-hmm. I imagine. Mm-hmm. So, so, um, what have you sort of, what do you, what are you sort of your takeaways when it comes to the challenges that Immokalee has faced over the last several years, uh, just because of the, a lot of it is um, sort of the, the social discourse on, on immigrants mm-hmm. and then, and then adding in COVID to that, how, you know, how has that impacted your community? It was, the beginning of COVID was very difficult and challenging. There, the community learned so much from Hurricane Irma mm-hmm. that they put certain things, emergency groups and uh, things like that into place so that when, no, I mean, no one thought COVID was going to happen, but in case of an emergency, these things would be put into place. And the great thing was, as community leaders, we were able to get on a call once a week at four o'clock and really talk about what challenges each organization was facing. And then you had other organizations that had these these um, resources that they were able to help and provide. And one of the key things was the fact that some of the families were afraid to seek help. They would go and get tested, but they wouldn't leave their correct contact information because they were afraid of the ramifications of that. Mm -hmm. Someone would find them, someone would, would be able to know where they were. So there was a lot of those different types of challenges and and how do you now get information to that person if they're positive? Then there's that other side of it where you have a family that relies on whether it's one parent or both going out to work and now they're sick. And now this, you know, now the families need food or so I feel as a community, we came together and we understood no one was, it it wasn't, they all knew it was an issue. No one was trying to, you know, brush it under the rug that it wasn't happening. Everyone knew what the elephant was in the room. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what helped. And the fact that with our students, you know, when we would get on the phone, we would say, okay, we have 300 plus students that we can take care of and we can get these, this information to, and, you know, another organization had a different set of students. So it was, um, it was, it was great to see that we could all come together and just really focus on the community, uh, and, and really put everything else aside and, and talk about, the resources that they needed or, or um, what did the organization need from another organization. There was a lot of synergy that happened throughout. So I'm really proud of those moments because it really shows how 
all of us play that part and and we just we ultimately do come together for the good of of the community yeah it's one of the cool things about Immokalee I think Mm -hmm. and I think that you know people from outside the community try to assist in ways too but Mm -hmm. I I actually think, and I I guess you can tell me if this is true or not, but I do think that just given some of the challenges and the fears that having those resources come from within the community is is probably critically important. It is. It's important for the community to see certain leaders helping and being that example for them to have that trust. So the community is, is very heavily built on trust. And if you, you have to be careful on who that person or who those people are that want to come in and try to educate or, you know, with all great intentions, mm-hmm. but it's just something that has to be considered when you're thinking of doing something like that. So that was the the other key thing. And again, the the leaders were all receptive to that. No one was getting their feelings hurt over it. It was, okay, who is the best person to communicate this, you know, to the families? Um, who are the best people to go around and knock on the doors? Uh, so a lot of that was was taken into, into play. But, um, you know, even like you just mentioned, we had donors that came through, I mean, just on from the Immokalee Foundation that provided funding for certain resources, whether it's masks or um, hand sanitation or uh, just these different things that that were needed. Um, They came, you know, and said, we can help. How how can we help? And uh, I know other organizations, their donors as well. And so it was, uh, like I said, it was just, it's very, it was very great to see all of us just come together. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, here's the, here's the big uh, question then. So what's next? I know that you, you know, of course, COVID is still pressing on all of us and making things challenging, but like, what are some of the big things that you're looking forward to? For us, it's continuing to grow and partner with different organizations under the Career Pathways Initiative, as I mentioned our subdivision, we are now, the first home is will be completed at the end of this month. And those homes will be sold to the community at uh, market value. And so that funding will then go back into, um, you know, provide funding for the next home and, and, and so forth. And so we have 18 of those and the, the students are having a blast with that. Uh, BCB Homes is our general contractor that's taking care of the, the project and you know, we're, we're grateful for Collier Enterprises and the Ray Foundation for the funding. And we have individual donors that have come through and underwritten a home. So there's a lot of synergy happening in there. But overall, there's more organizations that are very interested in partnering with us to do something like the internship uh, portion of what we have in engineering. And I mentioned that because the sheriff's office, Collier County Sheriff's Office, came to the table as well, and they created a 911 dispatcher academy that our students attended. So we had 11 uh, students attend this past summer, and six of them, because they were of age, they were hired by the sheriff's office as 911 dispatchers. And so partnerships like that are just going to continue. We have other 
organizations that have that we're starting now to brainstorm with on what we can do. And I think that a lot of businesses now that they're hearing uh, the what we can do and how what this can become and they're getting excited and they're coming and they're saying, how can we be a part of this? Mm-hmm. And we're just going to continue to grow. And, and so we our goal is to grow the Career Pathways program to help more and more students as much as we can. But of course, that takes funding, right? So right. Yep. Uh, there's uh, there's the work doesn't end. And, and so I'm just excited to just move forward with with Career Pathways and you know, we're in our third year, but really seeing that first class graduate from college or even seeing what their what career they're going to go into mm-hmm. and understanding and really looking at this works. And so our goal ultimately is to take Career Pathways and take it to other communities so that they can replicate what we have that's ultimately what we want to do is we know there's other communities like Amakali that have a need for something like this. Yeah. So it's um, it's just exciting work. And, and like I said, the students are very excited. Um, FGCU has been such a huge partner as well. I mean, they, they host our summer program. They come in, you know, throughout the year and do some of the workshops and things like that. But it's yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm excited to maybe come back down here and sit with you in another, you know, two or three years and tell you, hey, Tessa, you know, this is mm-hmm. the great stuff that's happening and this is what our kids have been able to accomplish. And um, I just, one of the things I want to mention is this past year we had our senior class graduated, of course, and they were going through, some of them interned at this subdivision. Well, two of them, knew that they weren't college bound. Mm -hmm. They knew that that wasn't, they just knew it. And so they loved the work that they were doing. One of them got hired on as a trim carpenter. And then the other one wanted to go into construction, but said, you know what, I'm going to go into welding school and I'm going to be a welder. And we had another student who was there that while he was interning, really understood that he wanted to take the construction management route and so talked to the on-site superintendent about his journey he interned with bcb homes and then they offered him a part-time job as he's going to school so those are the types of stories that we really want to um, share because we know that it's important and the other side of it is really breaking the stigma of technical and college universities right so in a community like Immokalee because the families feel and they've always heard if you don't go to college or university then you're not successful well we're we're really coming in and educating not only the students but also the parents along the way so that they understand Mm -hmm. you don't need to go to college or university not everyone has that you know is meant to go through that pathway, but you can get a trade. And just like you mentioned, st- you know, complete school or certification, be debt-free, mm-hmm. but then you have a full-time job and, and, uh, and you're earning just as much, if not more, than those individuals who go off to, to college or, or, 
earn a university degree. So yeah, there's just, it, it's, it's exciting overall. And I'm just, I'm really blessed to be a part of the Immokalee Foundation and the great work we're doing. Yeah, it's so innovative. And I think the funny, it's not funny, but the, the thing about it is, you know, a lot of people, a lot of organizations would look at partnering with the Immokalee Foundation on something like this as sort of their, their, uh, their contribution, their sponsorship, their, their corporate social responsibility. But if you're strategic about it, mm-hmm. you're also developing your future workforce. Exactly. And we know that everybody, I, I'm not aware of anyone who's not having trouble hiring people right now. Right. And why not go the work-based learning route, do good, give back, and be intentional mm-hmm. about looking at who among the folks that you're helping are your future workers? Mm-hmm. And how can you take them under your wing and support them so that they want to come work for you when they're done with whatever training or education program that they pursue. Right. And I think the other piece of it is, um, and of course I appreciate your your focus on the trades because I mean, a huge portion of our economy is based on trades mm-hmm. in Southwest Florida. And we need to build our base of folks that have degrees too. But just because, you know, just because you get a trade, like you go to a technical college, I mean, it doesn't mean that you're not as successful. Right. It, folks wind up sometimes making more money than right. people who have a bachelor's degree. Right. So um, welding being one of the highest demand, <laughs> exactly. I always wondered why I didn't know more about welding back in the day. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that that's just so smart and it can be so much more strategic than just, you know, being philanthropic. Right. 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 So I love the model. Um, and I, I definitely think that when you're ready to replicate, we can, we can do that. Uh, cause I know that a lot of other communities right here in Southwest Florida will be ready and future makers is here to support that. Um, but I, I just want to thank you. Like, it was so good to talk to you today and for you to take the time to come here and share your story and the story of your students and of your community and of your, of your organization. Um, I know that we're super proud to have the Immokalee Foundation as Future Makers partners and have always appreciated the partnership and the and the insights and the ideas and just sort of the innovation and spirit that comes from Immokalee. Thank you. Well, it means a lot. And I can't thank you enough, Tessa, for the work that you all are doing. And we are proud to be partners with Future Makers. And anything we can do, uh, we're here. And uh, just let us know. Thank you so much. Thank you.